Uh, so we're going to talk about the expansion today for the kingdom series. So I'm going to jump right in so we can make sure we get worship and get everyone out at a normal human time, uh, as opposed to last week where we had like a three and a half hour service because of the Q&A. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21. If you got your Bibles, open up to it. If you don't got your Bibles, don't worry about it. I brought you a Bible. I brought two of them for you. Uh, but you should, definitely, you should definitely bring your Bible. That way you don't know. I'm, for all you know, I typed in and just made stuff up on the screen. And like you're just reading it now. Like, and you'll never know. Amen. From the mouth of babes. All right. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21. Now, we're really only going to focus on one verse. But I'm starting all the way back here because I want to give us context because context is important to reading the Bible. You don't just get to decide this verse means something if it doesn't. All right. So for the love of Christ controls us. Can I get an amen on that? I am not my own. Right. To him I belong. You know what I'm saying? I give myself. Okay. Uh, Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Right? And so Paul, as he's getting into this concept of an ambassador, he's starting with the fact that God's in control. But because he died for us, we all died with him. And now he's just in charge. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Christ died so that we could live for him. And he resurrected to be an example of the first resurrection as we go along with him. For now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Can we get a shout on that? (laughs) Right? I don't regard you according to how I view you or what I think about you. I regard you according to what Jesus Christ thinks about you. And here's the truth. He died for you. That means you have to like me even if I make you mad. That'll preach. Uh, Fine. We can make it more political. That, That means... That means same with Biden and same with Trump, (laughs) right? I I have been getting more and more upset with things I've been seeing in politics in regards to children, and it's hard to not want to demonize, but what you need to do is pray. And I'm convinced that one of the biggest reasons why our country is going in a certain direction is because Christians aren't praying, they're demonizing, and they're making excuses as to why their prayers don't need to be lifted for that person. And that is bad theology. Amen. (laughs) Uh, Let's go back real quick. I think I only read half the verse. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. (laughs) Therefore, and whenever you see a therefore, you got to read what's before it so you can see what it's there for, right? Uh, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Do you feel like a new creation? Because sometimes I don't, but I am. (laughs) There is a mountain in between what you have said and what I see, God. But I am a new creation. I don't feel like it. I don't always act like it. But I am a new creation. And I think Christians need to really start embracing that aspect. Um, The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Hallelujah. Uh, Therefore, another, another therefore, dang, I don't remember that, but. I'll make the same joke. Uh, All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Ready? And then he gave us 
the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? That means Jesus Christ brought you to God so that you would bring people to God. Amen? That's what we're here for. That's why we don't just die the second we get saved. Because <laughs> we're expanding a kingdom. We have a part to play. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them. That is the, like, that, by the way, that is why hell makes sense. Because you only go there if you deny the fact that Christ's desire was to reconcile every single person to himself. And those who do not come are those who rejected such a great and lofty sacrifice. Not counting the trespasses against them. And I love this. Can I say entrusting? Because we're going to talk about that word today. And he trusted us with the message of reconciliation. That's so weird to me. Like, God trusts me. Why? <laughs> I, I know me. He entrusted me with a message. And he trusted me to preach it. I don't know. I felt like he was doing good enough by himself for those three and a half years. But apparently he decided he'd rather us do it. Therefore, um, we are ambassadors. So ready? What's the therefore? He entrusted us. Because he entrusted us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ready? God is making his appeal through us. It's getting personal. We implore you, right? There's trust, appeal, and implore. This, this is suddenly leaving deep theology, and it's getting emotional. It's getting personal. Paul's begging for the reader to be reconciled with God. His message that he's been trusted with is to preach the gospel and to, to beg people to enter into the presence. And again, if you want to get nitpicky, it's like we don't need to beg people to enter the presence of God. I get it, but it's that heart, right, that Paul is, is desperate to see salvation because he was trusted to bring a message that brought salvation. Yeah. Uh, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. Righteousness basically means right standing. You are in right standing with God. And not only are you in right standing with him, but you carry a message that can make anyone else in your life in right standing with him as well, especially those that we don't want to be in right standing with. <laughs> so uh, I think the only way we can really get our, our claws dug into everything that we just heard right now, because that's a lot. There's a lot of theology. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of understanding of the law. There's a lot of understanding about how things worked that are just being assumed in this text. And so I really want to hone in on the word ambassador, right? I think we know what an ambassador is, uh, but just in case we don't, an ambassador is a respected official sent to represent a nation. Hear me. Ambassadors exclusively operate in their authority in foreign lands. 
again, back to that cheesy Christian phrase that has been coming up throughout the entirety of the kingdom series. You are not of this world. Why did God not just take me away then if I don't belong here anymore? Because you're in a foreign land that you don't belong to, and you're carrying a message. You're carrying the laws and regulations. You are, you are establishing a foothold for the kingdom that you represent in the kingdom you're entering. Throughout history, we have seen this used for the good and for the bad for freedom and for enslavement. But with God, it is to bring freedom to this world. And you are the foothold. You get to plant a foot and you get to actually carry forth something that God has given you. Uh, Joshua Butler, uh, he shared a, uh, a story with me. And actually, uh, I heard it in like my first year of Christianity. Like when I first found Jesus, it was a story that was passing around. And um, it's funny that it came up again like a few days before preaching this message. And so there's a story. I forget the church. What's the church? It's Bethel. So there's at Bethel Church, they have a story uh, where uh, they had a prayer room that would go like 24 hours. And outside of the room, there's this roadrunner, right? Like think Wiley Coyote and the roadrunner. The most disappointing things in my childhood was seeing what those things actually looked like. <laughs> because he looked so cool in the cartoon. Not even blue. I'm still mad about it. Actually, let's talk about that for the next hour. Um, so this roadrunner would just stand outside of their prayer room and stare in. <laughs> Which, I don't know, I think that'd be kind of cool. Just like, who's that? Oh, that's our roadrunner. Don't touch him. He's cool. Like, I just feel like that'd be awesome. Or if we had something, you know? Anything. I've seen the story of the guy who has a bird, and like every time he parks, it's the same bird. It parks, and it looks at itself in the mirror and just poops all over his car door every day. They got a roadrunner. Some people got a bird. It poops everywhere. I have a child. It's every day. It's causing a mess. It's causing a mess. Uh, but this roadrunner would just stand outside, and I guess one night it actually got into the building during a worship session and was just watching everyone worship right? And so when the night janitor, he comes through the door, I'm laughing because it's terrible. Like, I'm sorry, like the roadrunner is going to die. So brace yourselves, like content warning. The roadrunner does not survive the Jesus story. Um, uh, so the janitor opens up this door and the roadrunner panics and it runs into a wall and like breaks its neck and dies. That's so, wow. That's so sad. And because we are modern day Christians, we can't help ourselves and everything's a sermon. But this sermon was probably a good one. And immediately what the pastor begins to think in that moment is, is everything God is doing in this building, if there is not a proper way for it to go out, it's going to die in this building. And it's funny because it's charismatic and maybe God does speak that way because I mean, he's spoken through a donkey and he speaks through me, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, he ain't stopped um, speaking through donkeys. He's not going to stop in Jesus' mighty name. Uh, but... Um, it feels very relevant to the modern Christian church. We check a box where our religion is, is personal, it's secret, it's just ours. It's my own. I don't really want to bug them. I don't want to bother them. They don't want to hear this from me. So, <laughs> right? If our faith in Jesus is regulated specifically to moments in worship, your faith in Jesus will die in the room you found it in. Because it was called to go out and it is not healthy unless it begins to impact more than just a group of people who already agree with you. We had a prophecy in our church. Immediately my mind goes back to it. Last year near the end of the year as we begin to make changes, uh, a prophet 
who I would say, it, it's nice when prophets aren't like just nice to you, but they actually speak the truth. Because it's actually helpful. Um, and he looked and he, he said, I look and there's so much anointing and talent in this room. He goes, you have an ocean in this room, but it doesn't even lap at the edges of the sidewalk. And uh, that's really stood out to me because honestly, I've said it before. Like some of you sincerely, and I'm not saying this just because I'm being nice. Some of you really are world-class in the giftings that God has given you. But yet God called you here to this place, right? And he didn't call you to this building so that you'd stay in this building, right? He called us specifically so that what we learn and what we get poured into and the breakthrough that we get in here and the healings that we see and the things that God begins to do, they start to actually pour out of the building as we leave as well. And suddenly they impact our jobs and our neighbors actually start to like us and they actually start to hear the gospel. And we actually get to know people um, because individualism isn't one of the ethics of the kingdom of God. We died to ourselves, and we have a message to bring. Uh, so I actually have a three-point message for you guys today. I'm really excited. Uh, I very rarely have three-point messages. That's usually Pastor Thomas's thing. Um, but I got one. It's funny. Last time he preached, I made a joke. I was like, oh, another three-point message. And then it's like, boom. And then God gave me one. Easiest way to convey information. So here's what I want to do. I want to point out these three points about evangelism that you see in the concept of an ambassador. And then from there, we're just going to pray, and we're going to worship, and God's going to move, and it's going to be awesome. Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, so the first point that I really want to get across is this, that God has entrusted you with a message. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are entrusted with a message. And your job isn't to be perfect, and it isn't to communicate it well, and it's not any of those things. It's just to communicate it, right? Paul gets saved, finds Jesus, and three days later is preaching the gospel out in groups of people. The woman with, at the well, right? Famous story. She's a Samaritan. She doesn't even know the gospel. All she knows is I met a man. She meets Jesus at the well, and she runs, and she evangelizes to an entire village, and they all find Jesus. There wasn't this 10 steps to being a better you, and then you can finally evangelize. It was an immediate thing of, like, I'm still a mess. I'm still a work in progress. There's still a dude I'm living with at my home. I'm still in sin, but I know something. I met a man, and he changed my life, and so I'm going to spread this message as well. Jesus Christ entrusts us because the freedom that he gives you, he then gives to others. I don't know if you've ever had those moments in prayer or in worship or in something specific, maybe in a message, where you just get brought to tears and you realize the goodness of God. For one, you can always live in that place. And for two, you're now called to carry that same freedom, that lightness. And so what the enemy likes to do is convince us that we're bound when we're not. He likes to convince us that he has any legal rights or authority over us when he doesn't. He tries to whisper in your ear and convince you that he has a right or a stronghold in your mind when he has no right to it. Right. We're only as bound as we let ourselves be because whom the sun set free is free indeed. Right. Amen. Amen. So uh, I know that I already said that he entrusted us, but I want to give you another Bible verse that again says that this message has been entrusted to us. And that's 1 Thessalonians 2.4. And it says this, uh, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. God has entrusted you with the gospel. And so you speak. And I love this. He's like, he has approved me. 
So then he entrusted me with the gospel, and so now I speak. I was approved by God, righteousness. Then I was entrusted with God, and now I'm out there, and I can't keep my mouth shut because I have been so set free, and I have been trusted with a message that is so important and so life-changing that I spread it. Or as many of you guys have heard me say before when I quote David Livingston, he says, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, then how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Telling your neighbor about Jesus is not a sacrifice. It is an honor. Getting over ourselves is not a sacrifice. It's our privilege because we're free. Or David Livingston, a quote that I don't use so much, but I want to use it now. There's another one he says, his sympathy is no substitute for action. Man, I really wish they knew Jesus. Then, then, then do something about it. Right? So uh, last week, uh, and I say last week because this is the first day of this week. <laughs> uh, so a few days ago, uh, I was at a restaurant. Uh, not a restaurant, more like a, a fast food eatery that kind of pretended like it was a restaurant. Okay, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. Um, and, and, and I walk in, and I honestly, I feel like I evangelize more than I talk about, so I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the evangelism moments, just so you can recognize. I was studying this concept, and that was the word stuck in my brain, is entrusted. Like, God, you've trusted me with this. And there's a weight to that, because the more free I am in Christ, the greater the burden of what I've been entrusted with. And I don't mean burden in the sense that it's heavy. I mean burden in the sense of, like, I have a fire to spread it, an excitement or a zeal, maybe is a better way to put it. Right, And I'm at the restaurant, and I walk up, and I feel that mo- annoying thing where God's like, hey, tell that person about me. So being the mighty man of God I am, I ordered my food and left. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's just get real. <laughs> and I get to my car, and I sit down, and I'm like, I'm about to preach on this. Honestly, if I could be real, if I wasn't going to preach on this, I don't know if I would have gone back in. It is what it is. It's just what happened, right? And I'm like, I sat back, and it's like, I trusted you. And it's like, I get to get over myself now. This is really exciting because I'm a very personal person. I like to shout, but I don't like to tell you about things. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I go into the building, and I look back at her, and I said, hey, this is awkward. This is weird. I'm married, I promise. Um, I wanted to leave. God sent me back, and he just wants you to know that he loves you, and he's calling you home immediately burst into tears. Now I'm uncomfortable because it's a lady, (laughs) if I can be real. And then she said, I grew up in a Christian home, and she goes, today on the way to work. I said, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. And it was like, whoo. And if I would have said no, he would have sent someone else. And I got to be a part of that moment, though, right? I got to be a part of it. And you know what? Through a conversation, basically ended with her parents go to a church right by her. I'm like, then go to church with your parents. Get involved in a community and learn this gospel that you just realize this God loves you. He loves you enough to force me back out. When I'm feeling myself, when I'm being a little selfish, he loves you enough to send me back because he entrusted me with something. And where would I be if someone hadn't preached the gospel? Then the next day, I go to Red Lobster. I'm shouting it out. You know what I'm saying? How I haven't been to Red Lobster in like 10 years. You know what I'm saying? Uh, last time I went to Red Lobster was because for my anniversary, someone in this church, don't remember who, I'm sorry, uh, got me a Red Lobster gift card. And so me and my wife went and we ate Red Lobster. It's amazing. Uh, so uh, I went to Red Lobster uh, and my boy Bobby paid. Can I get a shout out for Bobby? <laughs> in Jesus' name. Blessed to be a blessing. You know what I'm saying? He paid. I prayed. Actually, he prayed, though. Um, 
Uh, so we go, and we're there, and there's lobster in front of me. Jesus Christ is not even in the peripherals. He just, it's just it's lobster. You know what I'm saying? And Bobby looks up to the lady and says, how can we pray for you today? And she immediately looks at Bobby, looks at me, and starts tearing up and says, boy, you're going to make me cry. And then she just starts sharing about some of her struggles and just starts opening up. And Bobby began to pray with her, glorify God with her. And it's like people are set free when we just get over ourselves and we look at someone and say, hey, like, in a world where dad left you, there's a father who loves you, right? In a world where you've been rejected, there's a God who's watching you. In a world where you feel lonely, he's watching you sleep. No, I'm just kidding. But he is. Um, but he's there. He's always present. <laughs> he's like better than Santa Claus. Um, but he's there. And, and, and like he matters. And people honestly need this message. And though some people are violently opposed to it, they need it all the more. So then on first Friday, which is just a few days after that, this has been a good week for evangelism. Like, what a time. You know what I'm saying? Um, we go to first Friday, and we just start praying. And I just watch my wife just be unashamed. Honestly, I think my wife is, like, one of the top five evangelists I've ever met in my life. Um, and y'all who will go out and evangelize, just watch her. It, she has the gift of not caring what you think. It's amazing. And so they'll be like, oh, no, I'm good. And she's like, yeah, but, like, none are good. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, like, people are clearly trying to backpedal, and then by the end they're, like, friends. And I'm like, see, like, halfway through, I got punched. Um, but for some reason, like, she'll get hard rejected and still get their number. And it's like, how did that happen? Because some people are gifted, and some people just do what they can. <laughs> um, and I'm in the do-what-you-can kind of crowd. And just watching uh, John Tist and Violina, just as a husband and wife, beginning to, to pray for people, and, and watching uh, Pierce, and watching Amelia, and watching uh, Nicole Hancock, like just watching people share the gospel. And we walk out, and then we see other churches there, like sharing the gospel. And it was on April Fool's, and so... One person I said, it's a happy atheist day because the fool says there is no God. And I was like, Haha, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you know what the worst part is? Like, I'm there judging it. It's probably worked before. You know what I'm saying? Because God just moves on people. And you never, someone would be like, I am a fool. I do need Jesus. And it's like, and I'm over here joking, right? Like, like but just do what God has called you to do. But he has called all of us to do something. Yeah. And we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, because my second major point for you guys is this. Uh, God cares deeply about people. He loves them so much that he doesn't care that you don't want to talk to them. <laughs> Just like he loved you so much that he didn't care that you didn't want to hear a message. Because I wasn't a, oh, maybe God's real. I was an atheist who did not like God. And God didn't care. And he met me anyway. And so I love that word where uh, if we go back to the, the section of scripture, you don't need to put it up, but on 20, it says, God is making an appeal, and so we implore you. There's this concept of deepness, of, of emotional anguish at the preaching of the gospel of like, man, I just want you to know Jesus so badly. And I think if we're honest in a world where everyone's right and everyone's belief and everyone needs to coexist, I think a lot of Christians have bought into that. And we're satisfied that at least someone's spiritual. And it's like, I, I want to say just with all of the, maybe I know this is rude and I'm not trying to, but it's just like across the street, Jesus Christ is not being preached. Yeah. They just think he is. Yeah. Right? But then across that street, he is being preached because that's a Christian church. I'm just kidding. Uh, they Protestant. Um, and 
but, but we're, we're comfortable with that. And we're comfortable not talking about it. And we're, we're comfortable just kind of letting people live their lives. And it's okay. And here's the truth. It's because we just, we don't care like God does. And the bigger truth is, if you look at Paul's writing, you see that he did. So humans are capable of caring like that. Don't buy into the law that your relationship with Jesus is personal. It, it's just, it's not. There's more to it. Like I said, there is a personal aspect. When I get on my knees alone with God, it is personal, and he cares about what I'm going through. And I sincerely matter to him. I don't know why. I love this, what Paul Washer says, I have given Christ countless reasons not to love me, but none of them have changed his mind. And that person that you need to preach the gospel to, they have given Christ, and probably you, countless reasons not to love them. But it hasn't changed God's mind, and so it can't change yours either. Look, you can't criticize people unless you demonize them first. And so we really demonize others. so that, And then in that demonization, we begin to think that we don't have a responsibility to preach the gospel to these people. Or we feel that if someone has demonized us, that means it's okay to avoid giving them the gospel. But they need the same forgiveness you've been given. First Timothy says, First Timothy 2, 1-4, to Paul says this. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for what people? All. all right, so supplications is when you're praying on behalf of someone. Prayer is, can you go back, please? <laughs> Prayers is when you're praying to God, right? Intercession is I'm interceding for this person. Thanksgiving, I'm actually thanking God for my opportunity in their lives. I'm thanking God that he's moving on theirs for all people. Uh, for kings and all who are in high positions. Who do you think that is in America? Oh, we don't, okay. Who do you think that is in Russia? And who do you think that is in Ukraine? Right? Not enough people praying, a lot of people pointing fingers. Do both at least. <laughs> um, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. I want to give you a bonus point really quick. What is Paul saying? God's desire for you is to actually have a peaceful and quiet life. How do you have a peaceful and quiet life? If you so change the atmosphere of your immediate environment that no one there is against the gospel anymore. There's an implication of extreme salvation. He's implying that everyone in your family, everyone at your work, and the rulers over you know Jesus. And if you're praying and you're interceding and you're supplicating and you're, you're beginning to preach this gospel, guess what happens? You get to live a peaceful life. And many Christians today, I, I follow them all on Facebook. I hate Facebook because I don't care, right? And everything's politics. And here's the truth. I only have opinions about other people's opinions about politics because I don't know anything about politics. I fell asleep in the class, and then I copied Thomas's notes. That is a real fact. That is a real story. It totally happened, right? So I got an A. Shout out to my boy. You know, one time I got an A on a test, and I copied him, and he got a B on the same test. I got a higher A. Whatever. Don't misresent. <laughs> uh, but, but right, so I don't have opinions. Like, I really don't. It, it annoys me. But 
if these people that are all bugging me, uh, that these people, these Christians who are, are so busy worried about what the government's doing, that they're not actually praying about some intercession, right? Like we can actually create an environment. Why? Because the kingdom is violent and it takes things by force, right? And again, it's not saying grab a gun and go shoot someone. It's at, read Jesus. He specifically says, if you live by the sword, you'll die by it. And then when Peter tried to pull the sword out and use it, Jesus stopped him and said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Yeah. Yeah. Violence is not the answer. Don't take that verse out of context and think you can roll around just start shooting people whenever you want. Because <laughs> I know Christians that are ready for a fight. They want it. Deep down, they want it. And that's a sin to them. I mean, if I saw someone get, if I saw an old man get beat up, I'd judo kick someone in the head. In Jesus' name. Right? <laughs> I preached the gospel to them after that, too. They're in cuffs. Nothing they can do about it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I actually heard there was a car accident outside of my house, uh, my apartment, a few years ago. And when I walked out, the dude was laying down uh, in the grass. And I said, are you all right? He goes, yeah, I'm just real scared. And I was like, cool. And then I sit there and start telling him about Jesus. <laughs> And he said, and I quote, man, I don't want to hear about that. And I said, are you going to get up and leave? And he said, no. And I kept preaching the gospel. It was awesome. <laughs> Never saw that guy at church. Maybe I should have done it differently, but it's what happened, right? Like, like, I'm not stuck in here with you. You're stuck here with me. You know what I'm saying? Because God loves you. I'm going to preach the gospel right now. Like, I'm going to do what I got to do. <laughs> uh, but but uh, as we keep going, uh, at, we may lead, uh, go back, sorry, I only got halfway through the verse, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And again, that is only possible when you have so changed your immediate surroundings that there is no room for the enemy any longer. One more reason to evangelize. Uh, for kings and all who are in high, uh, you can keep going. Uh, this is good. And pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. So, look, do you feel there's opposition at your work? Then convert them. <laughs> do you feel your boss is out to get you? Preach the gospel. What if they fire me? That's fine. <laughs> fire for Jesus. He'll give you something better. Hallelujah. Um, and it is pleasing in the sight of our Savior. Okay. All of my, I just keep bringing it back to politics because this is literally the, the topic of this is all people, but specifically kings. Do you realize anyone here who's right-winged, right? And probably, statistically, probably the majority of us in this room, right? You know, it pleases God when you pray that, that he would actually bless, move, and begin to move in the life of Joe Biden. You know, that, that pleases God. Right. Just like it pleased God if we prayed for Trump when he was president. And whoever's next, pray for him too. I'm not saying you condone. I'm not saying you approve of. I'm saying you pray for. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm not saying you don't talk about it. And I'm not saying in this country you can obey the laws of the land and bring opposition to things you're not about. Right? Just do it well and do it right. Respectfully. Live a dignified way. And it's all about preaching the gospel. It's amazing. Verse 4. Uh, he desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So who does God want to save? Everybody. Not everyone's going to be saved, though. But that's on us. He trusted us with the message. And you have to have the confidence to know that every person you preach the, God, the gospel to, God loves them so much, he is moving with you and working on their heart. You're not walking in alone, and you're not chiseling at their hearts on your own. You were just preaching a message, and the Holy Spirit is moving. But Christians need to be more confident 
about the gospel. I wrote this. God called me when I was a broken mess. And so he's calling all rude and broken people in our jobs, our neighborhoods, our families, and our schools, etc. If they have a pulse, God is calling to them. Be the one to bring that message. Right? Because why? This is a kingdom topic, right? Because you are an ambassador in a kingdom. That's your role. Again, I know I, I want to keep harping on this. Your role isn't warrior poet. You're not Conan. <laughs> You're not out there slaying demons. You're preaching a message. You're placing a foothold. You're walking in a foreign land, establishing new laws and precepts. Amen? And sometimes you got to kick someone. I get it. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Uh, and actually, if the band wants to come up, I want to end on, honestly, a point that I'm very excited about because I love when I get to look at a Bible verse that everyone misquotes and I get to be like, hey, uh-uh, it doesn't mean that, right? Uh, now, some good news here is this is one of the few times where when I actually tell you what it means, it's better than what the church thinks it means. Okay? Y'all excited? Some of you probably already going to be like, well, I already thought that. I'm so happy for you. I didn't for a long time in my Christian faith. And this verse was a bit of a culture shock for me, reading it right. Matthew 16, 18. Okay? And I tell you, you are Peter. And no, this isn't the keys of the kingdom talk. I'm sorry, Sierra. Next week, maybe. Uh, actually, for sure not next week, but it's coming. Um, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Ready? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can I get an amen? amen? Here's what most people think that verse means. Ready? You think that it means that God has this gate of protection around you, and when the enemy attacks, he can't break down the gates. But it says the gates of hell. So here's the thing. Jesus isn't saying, this verse isn't about you being protected. Gates defend. Jesus is saying that when we go and preach the gospel, hell's going to try to put up gates and defend itself. And we just get to knock gates down because the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Gates don't take ground. They protect entrances, right? And so the gates of hell are just protecting entry points, hoping desperately the Christians don't kick in the door and start preaching the gospel. And so here's my last point to you. The church is offensive, not defensive. The church is offensive, not defensive. Not offensive, but it is most of the time it is right so this bible verse you can't quote it to mean like oh the enemy's attacking me but the gates of hell won't prevail against me no what it means is hey my boss doesn't know jesus and he's threatening to fire me but i'm going to keep preaching the gospel because the gates of hell are not going to prevail against me because i'm not defending i'm offending i'm on the offense read it right read it right <laughs> Jesus is giving Peter the keys to the kingdom. He is telling Peter, hey, you're going to go out and preach this gospel. And hell can't defend against you. That's why the Colossians verse we read last week is so important. That he disarmed the principalities and powers. They can't defend themselves. Jesus took their tools. All Satan can do is shout real loud. He can manipulate. And truthfully, look at the garden. That's all he's ever been good at. This isn't some kind of two-way street where me and Satan are just going at it. No, 
Listen, William Cooper, this is one of my favorite quotes of all times, says this, Satan trembles when he sees even the weakest saint upon his knees. I am absolutely biblically and theologically convinced that Satan is more afraid of you than you are of him. You've just perceived that his bite will have venom. But he is toothless. And he can bind and he can manipulate and he can do all these things, but he actually has no power. And the best he can do is when he see you coming into areas that he wants to keep, he can put up gates. But you carry the fullness of the kingdom of God and no gate can stand. And are you, are you seeing that in the text? Right? The, the gates of hell, what, what are those? That's just, that's, gates, they just protect entrances. And there ain't a lot of Bible verses about the gates of the church. <laughs> because the point of the kingdom is the kingdom will cover this entire earth. There are no gates. There are no dividing lines. We're not building defensive structures. Christianity kind of just conquers. And I mean that in a truly spiritual way. I think if you look at history, you have seen times where Christianity has physically conquered in ways that I don't think were pleasing to God. Right? But ideologically, we should be conquering. Philosophically, we should be conquering. We shouldn't be pandering to politics and to people who aren't even interested in Jesus anyway. Right? We shouldn't be trying to create churches where unsafe people want to enter. We should be creating churches where safe people get the courage to go teach unsafe people the gospel. Because... If we perceive kingdom growth as how many people are in this room, we will never grow. And we'll just be another church that grows and grows and grows and becomes so inflated and so convoluted that the lead pastor has nothing left to do but to fall into some kind of weird sexual temptation. And you see it again, and you see it again, and you see it again. And the more you look at history, you see the bigger people get that fall is almost immediate and it's almost like unavoidable. But it's because we create kingdoms to ourselves. And Boulevard Church is not the kingdom of Wesley. It's not the place for me to air how I feel. And you guys better just, better get in line with the vision. And you should get in line with the vision. You should pick up something together. But not because I'm some kind of weird God who you have to bow between. But because God called you here and we're carrying something together. Because we have a part to play. And here's the truth. Many people think this somehow is the be-all, end-all. Let me tell you, I don't think God is looking at stages to see the state of the church. I think he's looking on the streets to see the state of the church. The, Jesus Christ in the Great Commission says, I will send you out to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And he goes, and I will send my Holy Spirit, and he will be with you until the end of the earth. What does that mean? God, I don't see you moving anymore. Well, it's because I sent my spirit to go to the ends of the earth with you. So if you're not on the streets preaching the gospel, why do you think you're going to see the spirit move? Prince Joshua comes up here and shares a testimony. Guess what? Not in this building. It took place somewhere else because he was out carrying a message. Amen? Dennis Proud. Oh, yeah, he's over here. I forgot you were on the piano. And look at him. Still killing it. But so many people in this room have so many stories and so many testimonies. And I think we've even become weirdly protective of our own stories of when God moved. Shout about those. We should talk about it more. Evangelism is so crucial. But, but here's the thing. 
everywhere you go, you should preach the gospel. But I want to take us back to that first Timothy verse. But really, really, you need to be changing your immediate atmosphere. Like I shared last week, like one of my major heart's goals and desires is my, my downstairs neighbors. And I want to see them in church. We pray for them. We believe that God is going to move in their lives. We believe that they'll end up here being discipled and, and, and really finding relationships and, and getting set free of some of the addictions that I see in their lives. I really believe that. But they're not going to catch it by hearing worship music through the roof, right? Because we're their upstairs neighbor. They're not going to listen and they're not going to hear Hosanna coming down at them and they're going to be like, oh my God, God is good. No, they're gonna, God is going to call me and my wife to walk down those stairs, look them in the eyes and preach the gospel. And for the record, we already have. We're just not done yet. This world is not going to catch what happens in this room unless we begin to flood the streets. What has God been teaching you as you come to church? What is he teaching you in worship? What is he teaching you through this kingdom series? Grab a hold of it and take it to someone. I don't know how to preach the gospel. Then just tell someone your testimony. I still think, I still open up my evangelism with, hey, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. I still open up with this basic Bible thing. And I get shot down real quick a lot of times. But don't overcomplicate things. You're an ambassador. The Holy Spirit has anointed you to preach the gospel to all people. And in doing so, you will actually see peace in your immediate vicinities, peace at your work, peace in your family, peace in your church, peace at your schools and your children's schools. Piece of the Dutch Bros you go to every week. Like, hopefully, I'll be inviting those people to church. I know they know where we're at because we invite them to church, my wife and I do. <laughs> they always get themselves in trouble because they always be like, What are you doing this? Like, oh, what are you doing today? And I'm like, Guess what? About to preach the gospel. You asked. Amen, though? Amen. Quit having a defensive faith. Have an offensive one. The only time the kingdom is called to be defensive is when we defend the truth that we believe. Which just means giving an answer to people who are asking questions. So I want to end by pointing out, everyone just look over at the info booth. All of you, just look. I believe in you and your abilities to look. Right? Some, okay, a few of y'all just cold look me in the eyes. And you know what? I forgive you and I'm praying for you. Uh, so if you look back... At the car, there's a card holder, and there are Boulevard Church cards in it. Y'all, if you're too afraid to evangelize, just grab a few and hand them out. Just start the process. Start doing something. If that is full on Sunday, I'm going to preach the same sermon again next week. Like, the same notes, I'm going to be verbatim. Y'all can have a message on the gifts, or you can have this message again. It's up to you. <laughs> right? Because I know I was preaching good. And I know y'all know you an ambassador now. And I know you know that God has so anointed you with the power of his gospel that the gates of hell cannot defend against the message that you are bringing. And I know that you know that God loves that person. And so you got to stop worrying, what are they going to think about me? Well, they're going to think you saved their lives when they find Jesus. 
And you got to know that you've been entrusted, that when you feel that pressure to pray for someone, I know many of you do, that is God saying, I trust you. And that is beautiful. Pastor Eric, go into my office and just grab a box, and we're going to put a box out. Just take 10 cards with you on the day as you go. Put them in your wallet, forget about them for a few months, and then one day go, oh, I should hand these out. That's fine. But just do it. Do something. Amen? Because Jesus did something. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray. Or maybe I'll do my 10th close. I haven't decided yet. Uh, Dear Lord in heaven, I just pray for every single person in this room. Pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. Uh, God, I pray that as we begin to worship right now, we would get overwhelmed and filled with the truth of who you are. Overwhelmed and filled with the truth of your gospel. And God, just how much you've anointed us. That God, your word says that do to this. That's your fire, God. Just the fullness of your kingdom is inside of us, God. And as we go out and as we preach the gospel and as we bring the message of freedom that we're finding to others, that we know we are walking in such an extreme authority from a God who loves people so desperately. And in Jesus' name I say, amen.